Well, what a great day to be in church, isn't it? I'm so excited to be here. I am so thankful to have a church like you who are happy to be here and who, right? I'm a, yeah? I'm excited by that. And even the weather doesn't dampen my spirit. I hope that you've had a good week, that you've been keeping cool amidst all the heat and humidity. I will admit, coming from Edmonton, where there's not a lot of humidity, it's been an adjustment <laughs> this week. It's also been an interesting week for us here uh, at the church, and I've been learning a lot and trying to get to know some of our staff, trying to get to learn their roles and what they do and some of the things they've been working on and some of the things they've been passionate about and are passionate about. And I've been keen to learn more about the role that, that our church as the Salvation Army plays in our community. That's something that I've really focused on this week, uh, is to learn sort of our place and how we work. Do you know the kind of things that happen here in this building and out of this building and the ministry and impact that spills forth from this place to all over York Region and places beyond sometimes? you know the kinds of things that are happening here? Let me share. Just a few, all right, from my own experience. And I'm sure there are things that I miss as well. But this week there was a couple of food deliveries that came in uh, to support the emergency food bank that we run out of here. There have been volunteers in here pretty much every day, different people, and I see some of you as I look out over, uh, who sort that food, who prepare it, who, who meet with people who need help, uh, who prepare food hampers and all those things. We've got people who come in for counseling sessions uh, and take advantage of some of the support programming that we have. We've got programming that helps prevent homelessness, a special partnership with the region that we use to, to help keep people in their homes and prevent homelessness. We've got programs where we partner with energy corporations and energy providers so that we can help keep lights on and help keep people in their homes. We have donors who come by and make donations. We've had camp staff in here all week preparing for day camp, which will run again next week. And so they've been in here working diligently. We've hosted meetings for different groups. There's been a Bible study that's been here. Um, we've had large groups Wednesday in the Word this past week. Uh, we heard from someone uh, from Apologetics Canada and had a wonderful and insightful uh, talk to us about that and study. Um, we've had small groups who've been meeting and some who meet in here. And just as a sidebar, uh, one of the things that as a church I believe is so important, integral even, to how we live out our faith and how we engage with one another in community and in this church is a small group. And those of you who participate in them, you can attest to that. Hey, I see nods. that It's, it's an impactful, life-changing thing. And so we, I want to lean heavy into that come the fall. So start thinking about that already. But we've had groups that meet here, big and small. We've celebrated, get this, Christmas in July this last week. And we gathered some of our Kettle volunteers together to... Uh, celebrate and to thank them and to share some of what we're working toward uh, for this coming kettle season, believe it or not. Planning, Angela's already started planning that stuff. 
for December and, and for Christmas and that whole season. This is a busy spot, eh? And so, and, and they keep telling me that this is the middle of summer and we're not really running all our programs. <laughs> and we're not really doing all the things that, you know, we normally do. And, and so the learning curve, admittedly, has been a little steep for us as we come in and as we try to understand and learn. It's, it's been great. And it's been challenging, and it's been so encouraging. And that's, I think, the word that I'd use, because even though we're doing the work to catch up and learn and, and to settle in and all those other pieces and the language we use around that, the word that keeps coming back, I am so encouraged that, that we as a church, as followers of Christ, that we're living out our mission in community. That what happens in here really does inspire us and move us to let our cup, as, we're, as our cup is filled here in this place, that it overflows into community and makes changes and impacts those around us. I'm so encouraged by that. Because that's our mission. We are called to, to share the love of Christ with others. We're called to meet need and to care for those in our community who need help. We're called to be a positive and transforming influence in our community. And friends, that's, that's who Christ calls us to be. And so I just want to take a moment and say, if there is anything you've heard me say already about some of the things that are happening, or if you know the schedule and look and, and considering what's going to happen in the fall, and if you can get excited about some of those pieces. Or if you feel God's moving in your heart saying, you know what, I, I really need to get involved there. In Christian talk, we call that being convicted. <laughs> and if you're convicted that you need to get involved, that you need to, to respond to what Christ is doing and to start thinking about, okay, how can I incorporate a small group in my life? Maybe I'm called to lead one. And I know Jacob is meeting with some people uh, to that end later today. But I really do want to encourage you to, to get involved, to reach out to us to talk about what that can look like. And Because the reality is, when we serve others, when we seek to meet need or, or share the love of Christ, we're serving God in that act. We are serving our Heavenly Father, and He richly blesses us as we seek to live out our faith and serve in Christ's name. So I want to encourage you, as I am learning about all that happens at Northridge, that you too should learn all about what happens at Northridge and to get involved. Now, today then, we look to our sermon series. We continue our, our series, our series of teaching on the I wills of Christ, or when Jesus says, I will. And I want to spend some time this week looking at John chapter 6, where particularly Jesus says to his disciples in verse 37, I will never drive away, or I will never reject, some versions say. But I want to get some context so we're set up here to understand where Christ is coming from, that this doesn't just come out of the blue, okay? John 6 begins, if you want to look it up in your Bible, we'll have some verses on the, uh, the stage, but I'm a big fan of, of having the Word of God in front of me. And, uh, and being able to see it in context. 
So, if you've got your phone or whatever, you look up John chapter 6. It begins with the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. And in this scene, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is teaching a huge crowd on a hillside. And the people are just enthralled by him. And they lose track of time as Jesus is teaching them and as he's sharing. And they all sort of lose track of time. And before they know it, the day is gone and everyone's getting hungry. And so Jesus looks around and he hears the people saying, you know, we're, we're hungry. What are we going to do? We're sort of out, out of town a little bit. They're by the Sea of Galilee and gathered on a hill. So they're not really close to anything to home or wherever to get something to eat. And so Jesus says to the disciples, okay, guys, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed these people? we got to look after them. How are we going to feed these people? Now remember, God's Word says there's 5,000 men, let alone women and children. So there's this huge group gathered on the side of the hill listening to Jesus. And the disciples respond probably like we would. They sort of go, are you kidding me, Jesus? Where are we going to find enough food for these people? All these people. Do you, like, look around, Jesus. Do, what are we going to do? It would take a year's wages to just give everyone a bite. That's how many people are there and who are gathered. But one of them, thankfully, Andrew, one of the disciples, we talked about him last, or last time I spoke, but Andrew, he starts looking around. And so he finds a little boy who was smart enough to have brought lunch with him. He's got a good mom. Two fish and five loaves of bread. And he's brought to Jesus. And in my mind's eye, I play this out as, the, you know, Andrew sort of ushers him along. And he stands up before Jesus. And Jesus says, can I have this? The little boy goes, yeah, you can have it. So Jesus takes it. And he blesses it. Says grace. And he begins to divide it up. So I picture Jesus sitting down, maybe legs folded, you know, just sitting in with this basket of food in front of him. And he starts breaking it up and putting it in baskets. And as a basket is filled, one of the disciples takes it and brings it out to the crowd. And they start giving it away and distribute it to everyone there gathered on the, on the hill. And it just keeps going. And the disciples keep bringing baskets and they bring back an empty one and they bring another one and they, this, this happens for presumably if they're feeding five, six, seven, ten thousand people all together hours it must be and when they're all done everyone eats their lunch together they share and when they're all done Jesus says now go pick up the leftovers so we don't waste anything and the disciples go, and they take their baskets, and they fill up 12 baskets full of food from five loaves of bread and two fish. From a little boy's lunch, all these people ate, and they gathered leftovers, more than they had when they started. And it is miraculous, and it's great. And you can read all about this. That's sort of the Cole's Note version, but you can read all about that in the first part of John chapter 6. Now the next day, so this happens and everyone just goes, well, we're camping on the hill tonight because it's late and we're full, so we're going to fall asleep and we're camping on the hill. And so they do. They fall asleep, spend the night. 
And Jesus then leaves and goes over to the other side of the lake. The disciples leave and go over to the other side of the lake. And there's a whole scene, a whole story around that. We're not going to focus on it. A sermon for another day, perhaps. But we pick up the next day with Jesus and the disciples already on the other side of the lake. And the whole crowd then begins to wake up. And they look around. And they go, well, where's Jesus? Where's the disciples? They're all gone. Let's go look for him. So they start searching for Jesus and the disciples, and they end up finding him again, like we said, on the other side of the lake. In verse 25 and 26, this is from the Amplified Version of John chapter 6. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, you have been searching for me, not because you saw the signs, the attesting miracles, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. See, the crowd is seeking Jesus, and he sort of sees through and sees behind their motive. They're seeking Jesus not because they experienced a miracle and they want to be in his presence because there's clearly something special about Jesus. That's not it. They want to be with Jesus because they're hungry. They wake up and they're like, well, we got dinner last night. Where's Jesus? We're hungry again now. <laughs> they're missing the whole point of that whole miracle, that scene on the, the hillside from the day before. And so Jesus addresses the crowd and he says in verse 26, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, well, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Now, when we read this, and if we put ourselves in amongst the crowd on the far hillside with Jesus, having heard this, we might think, okay, the crowd just experienced, they're not that far removed, the crowd just experienced this amazing miracle the day before. They've heard Jesus now speak and say, you guys are worried about the wrong things. You need to be worried more about spending time with me while I'm here. You need to be concerned more about the things of God than your belly. Surely, I mean, for a group that literally tasted this miracle, surely that would be enough for them to say in response to Jesus, you know what? You're right. You're right. We're, we believe but it's not, I can't believe it, eh? The crowd, sometimes we look back and it's the blessing of the Holy Spirit in our lives where we look and we ask, how did you miss this? But they do. They miss the whole point. The crowd responds, all right, Jesus, if you want us to believe, you want us to believe that you're the Son of God like you say you are, if you want, to believe that, if you want us to believe that, that you're bringing bread from heaven, then give us a sign. I don't know what they thought happened the day before, but give us a sign. 
They said, Moses, you remember Moses way back in Exodus? And this, the whole Exodus scene plays such a huge role in a Jewish understanding of, of Scripture and God's presence and how it works, right? And so they always end up going back to that. And so they say, well, you know how Moses provided for the people as they wandered in the wilderness. There was manna. God gave them bread from heaven every night. Do that. Give us the bread of Moses and we'll believe. And the Bible doesn't say this, but at this point I cannot imagine the expression on Christ's face. He's sitting there and he's probably like, oh, are you kidding me? You still don't get it. I believe Jesus was much more patient than that. But that's what I would have done. I'd be like, oh, come on, boys. And my newfie would have came right out. And I would have been, boys, come on, you're killing me here. Thankfully, Jesus is a little more patient and gracious than that. And so he responds. And he says, all right, everybody, listen. Get it right. Moses didn't give bread. God did. Verse 32, he says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so they say, sir, give us that bread every day then. They still don't get it. And this is all really important because it sets the stage for this I will statement from Christ. So let's recap. Let's follow the road. Jesus feeds the crowd fish and loaves and then the people come looking for more. And Jesus says, guys, don't just follow me because of what I can do. Follow me for who I am. Believe in who I am. Don't worry about your daily bread. Worry about spiritual food. The true bread that only comes from God and that gives life to the world. And so the people hear this and they say, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Give us that bread. We'll eat that. And so now Jesus can't, he breaks the metaphor to pieces here. He can't take it anymore. And he says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me, this is from the message translation, the person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you've seen me in action, you don't really believe me. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, I hold on and I will never drive them away. I came down from heaven not to follow my own agenda, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. And there we have our I will statement, our promise. Other versions of the Bible say of this verse, New King James Version says, I will in no means cast out. The New Living Translation, I will never reject them. The NIV, I will never drive away. The Amplified Version, which sort of brings in some context, some expansion, it says, I will most certainly not cast out. That is, I will never never reject anyone who follows me. Oh, what a great promise, hey? Just hits us in the heart. And this is why context matters so much. 
Because this I will statement, at first we hear this, I will never drive away or I will never reject. We might think, well, of course, this is about the, how God welcomes people in. This is about how you know, Christ's message is for the whosoever. And it is. It's for the whosoever believes in me should not perish but have eternal life. It is a welcoming message. And God and, and Jesus absolutely welcomes all who come to him earnestly and repentantly. The gospel is for the whosoever. But here in this passage, John is making a deeper point. These verses, he says to the crowd, look, you guys are worried about temporal things. You pursue things that never satisfy. But when you pursue me, when you live in relationship with me, Jesus says, I will sustain you. I will care for you. And, and when you believe in me, you, I will guard your hearts and your minds. And I'll never drive you away. I will hold you tight. And you won't have to worry anymore. See, this I will is about Jesus' keeping power. He proclaims his, his protective and nurturing love and, and the capacity he has to care for all who come to him. And I believe that this matters so much, friends. It is a promise that the church, I think, needs to hear today. Not just this church, but the church. We need to be reminded of God's goodness, of his provision. This is a message, a, a promise, a guarantee for all who know and who love and believe in Jesus. And it's so relevant because we live in a day and age where even something like truth and how we understand truth is just eroded away. And it becomes something that's relative. And so for me, as I stand and proclaim the word of God, and every voice around me seemingly says, yeah, but do you really believe that? That's not really true. God says this, but that's not really what he meant. There, may, there probably weren't really 10,000 people on the side of that hill. We live in a day that truth is eroded by the culture around us. We live in a day and age where the broader society lambasts us for what we believe. For followers of Christ who hold to the word of God. And it can be hard. And it can be daunting to live like that. Perhaps it might even be so hard that it causes us to doubt. We begin to question. And so that's why I think this is such a relevant message and why we need to hear it. Because into this space of uncertainty and doubt and fear, Jesus says, hey, you who have tasted the bread of life, you who know me, who follow me, who love me, believe in me and, and pursue me. Jesus says, you guys who do that, my church, I will never cast out. I've got you. In effect, Jesus is saying to us, when you choose to love me, you don't need to fear. You don't need to doubt you don't need to be uncertain about what might happen because I will hold on to you and no outside force will take you from me. 
I want you to read these with me, okay? Because you don't have to take my word for this. God's word is full of passages like this. So we can have the first slide from 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Read this with me, will you? Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Let's keep going. Romans chapter 8 and verse 38 and 39. Ready? Here we go. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. It keeps going. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ our Lord. Right? Want another one? The Bible's full of them. One more. From John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth... You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Amen, right? For me, as I read these passages, as I hear Jesus say, I will never drive away, I cannot be helped but to be encouraged in my faith. I cannot help but come away and go, yeah, he's got this. He's got me because I believe in him and I trust him and I hold on to him knowing that he's going to hold on to me. And this is what being a child of God is all about. Just as a perfect father protects his children, God holds us by the arms of Christ. And no matter what befalls, no matter what we face, no matter what trials or, or temptations we have to endure, we can be confident, friends. Because if we listen in the midst of the storm, we can hear Jesus' voice cutting through. I will never drive away. I will never reject I will most certainly not cast out. I will never, never reject anyone who follows me. What a wonderful promise. We praise God today and every day for his faithfulness. Let's pray together. Lord, we pause before you today with thanksgiving in our hearts, knowing that you hold us, that we don't have to fear. We give you praise because God, like a redeeming, like the redeeming Father you are, you've saved us. We hear it playing in the background. We're no longer slaves. And we're no longer slaves because we have been forgiven and because you hold us close. And so God, I pray for my church in these days I pray that you would, by your Spirit, speak to our hearts. That we would hear your voice even in the fiercest of life's storms. That we would be encouraged. That we would hear you say, I've got you. I will never let you go. And God, if there are those in our midst or or who can hear us in these coming days who, 
who don't know you, who haven't experienced that promise, who haven't come before you or who are still concerned about temporal things. I pray that this very moment would be the time when your spirit would move and stir and that we would be drawn to you. God, I don't know how we could live the life you call us to live without you. And so we thank you for your provision. We thank you for your protection and your, for how you empower us. God, we praise you for your faithfulness. And we proclaim your promise today, hearing your words echo in our ears. You will. Bless our time, God. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.